Hello everyone and welcome to the last of this week's podcast in which we look at Super Saturday's championship decider in the Six Nations between England and France in Paris. So yeah, it's the big one. Um, France looking pretty unstoppable on their way to their first Grand Slam since 2010. Uh, some could say England looking pretty unstoppable on their way to their second uh, consecutive Six Nations fifth place finish. Um, doesn't look too good in terms of Eddie Jones's resume and England's resume for next year's World Cup in France. Um, but, you know, uh, down but not out. And I think with England... Um, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I, I don't think you can get away from paying them some serious tribute for a pretty heroic effort last, last weekend against Ireland at Twickenham. Um, you know, I think the nature of that effort glossed over some glaring problems with England. Um, but you can't fault them for character. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, you know, unfortunately, it still all came unstuck at the end. But, um, you know, in terms of backbone and character, you can't fault England for that. And you have to give them praise where praise is, is due. But this weekend is a very different kettle of fish. Um, Paris, never an easy place to win, uh, especially with 70,000 Frenchmen who uh, are really imbued with a sense of this is the start of great things to come over the next 18 months. Um, and very much, I think, a sense of belief in France that uh, there will be a group of men wearing blue shirts uh, at the final in the Stade de France at the end of October next year. So, yeah, pretty daunting odds for, for England, who are, let's face it, not playing well, uh, overly well, uh, and especially not as a unit, um, up against a side that is clicking on all fronts uh, and in their on their home ground in front of a home crowd with huge expectations. Now, with that and the burden of expectation, uh, that's a liability for France. And that's one thing that I think, you know, there is the question in the back of everybody's mind. France still are prone to a banana skin and they are a bit prone to uh, dropping the ball at big moments. And this is a very big moment. It's their first Grand Slam, potential Grand Slam since 2010. Um, there's all the, the hype surrounding... Um, how they're going to perform in their own World Cup in 18 months' time uh, based on, on their performances right now, which are pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, you know, they are firing as a unit on all fronts. Uh, they look the most clinically well-organized, well-drilled, uh, cohesive side out there. Um, they, yeah, they, they are an elite, elite team. Um, England have not got that veneer to them by any stretch of the imagination. Heroic, yes. Valiant, yes. 
efficient, clinical, and uh, with a clear understanding of what they're they're trying to do? No. Defensively, uh, fairly solid, but questionable once they start to tire. And they're going to be up against a pretty, you know, they're up against a team that's going to attack them all 80 minutes and is very physical with it. Um, and then ally that to the fact that of the biggest concern England has right now, they have no attacking platform whatsoever. And if I was an English supporter, that would be my biggest concern um, coming out of the Six Nations is, you know, the World Cup is 18 months away and England have no attacking uh, platform. Um, they have probably one of the most brilliant attacking uh, fly halves that we've seen in test rugby of late in the shape of Marcus Smith, but he's a one man show and they don't know how to use him. And I think it's a tragedy for England. It's a tragedy for Smith because he's not able to realize his potential. Um, and it's a tragedy for England as a whole. But uh, yeah, so, you know, maybe England can pull off the unthinkable. Maybe France will cave under the weight of expectation and, uh, you know, being absolute firm favorites. Uh, I don't think complacency is an issue that we'll get to this French squad. I, I just, the way they're being coached right now, I don't think complacency is part of their vocabulary. But I think that big game moment, potential banana skin, you know, I mean, let's face it, this is France's biggest game since the 2011 World Cup final. So, yeah, a lot of expectation in Paris on Saturday, and it'll be fascinating to see how they handle it. So looking at the lineups, um, just an excellent front row. I mean, Cyril by uh, at Loosehead, his statistics have been off the chart this championship. Uh, Julian Marchand Hooker has been outstanding. And much to my surprise, uh, Weenie Antonio has actually been pretty good on the tight head. I mean, he's a lump of a man, but at times surprisingly mobile. I, I still think his scrummaging technique is, is questionable. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see how he gets on against Ellis Genge on Saturday, because I, I definitely think, you know, Genge really brought a level of abrasiveness. Um, and I would say positive abrasiveness to to England last Saturday. And it'll be interesting to really see um, if he has is able to establish the same kind of dominance he had last weekend. I, I have my doubts. Uh, I think this is a stronger, or put it this way, I think um, I think this is a more savvy French unit as a whole uh, than than Ireland. Um, you know, like yeah, uh, you know, I mean. Last weekend, Ireland, you know, they had Dan Sheehan, uh, Kian Healy, uh, and Tad Furlong. Now, Kian Healy's got the experience, but I, I don't think his, his stars kind of slipped a bit. Uh, Dan Sheehan's still trying to find his Dan Sheehan's still trying to find his footing, and Tad Furlong was was clearly frustrated by um, by England, and he just given a, the, a player of his caliber, he just didn't really adapt to it. I don't think that's going to be the case with this French unit. But we shall see. Um, in the second row, Cameron Wokey, Paul Valenza, they had a fantastic game last weekend um, against Wales. Uh, my only criticism would be that uh, if you look at that game, 
every line out, they basically just essentially threw it to Wookie. Um, now, why wouldn't you throw it to Wookie? He's, you know, he's, he's just such a capable player. Um, and he very rarely fluffed his lines, but it made France very, very predictable in the set pieces. And England will be, you know, they'll be, um, they'll be onto that, uh, especially guys like Toje. So we shall see. Uh, in the back row, uh, Francois Crow comes in, uh, Gregory Aldred, Anthony Jalange. Uh, I think they all had really, uh, you know, particularly Aldred and Jalange. Uh, Jalange scoring France's only uh, try last weekend. I uh, thought they looked really, really good. So, yeah, I think he uh, he has. Uh, that's a, that's again just a really solid, um, solid French uh, back row. Um, and no change from last weekend, and, and why really would you want to change it? So yeah, that's all looking very positive. Um, and then in the halfbacks, well, Roman and Tamag, Antoine Dupont, they seem to be back at their best. Uh, there's an attacking unit, if ever there was one. In the centers, Jonathan Dante, Gael Fiku. Um, Dante, I thought, was immense last weekend. Um, and Fiku is just that, that, like I say, that midfield general. Out on the wings, Gavin Villiers, Damien Penault, uh, they're doing really, really well at the moment. I mean, Penault, uh, be great to have him back, um, after his little run in with COVID last weekend, but, uh, Gavin Villiers, he's outstanding. Interesting contest between him and Freddie Stewart. Stewart's a much bigger guy, and I would say um, perhaps better under the high ball, but he didn't have a good game last weekend, and they switched him to the wing. So we'll see. Um, Penno against Noel will be interesting, but I, I think you know Noel just tries to get involved in too much. Penno knows his place, um, and his team knows where to put him, where to keep him, and where to use him, whereas Jack Noll gets distracted too easily and tries to get involved in too many things. And because this isn't a particularly cohesive English side, yeah, my money's on Pinot all day. Uh, the weak link, I think, in this, this whole setup is, and it surprises me to say it, um, is Melvin Jaminet. I thought he looked really wobbly last weekend. Uh, particularly under the high ball, England will be keen for that. Uh, they'll be they'll be very in tune with that, and they will. Particularly, a guy like Marcus Smith is going to put a target on Jaminet's back all all evening. And it's going to be you know when we talk about these these big game moments, uh, pressure swings. It'd be interesting to see how Jaminet, if uh, you know he was kind of rattled in in Cardiff by by Wales singling him out, if. Uh, given what's at stake on Saturday night, if, if the pressure is going to get to him. So, yeah, but it's still a very, very capable-looking French outfit. Uh, the bench, outstanding, Pieto Mavaca, Jean-Baptiste Gross. Uh, only question mark is Mohamed Awas um, uh, coming in, uh, excuse me, coming in on the tight head. Um, he's got a reputation for discipline problems, but uh, we'll see. Romain Tafofina, Tafoinua, sorry, I struggle with his last name a bit, but uh, yeah, despite his age, very competent. Thibaut Flamand, I had thought it's been a little bit up and down this tournament. Lots of promise there, especially for next year. 
but consistency is not his strong suit. Dylan Cretin uh, coming in in the back row, uh, capable, no problems there. I thought Maxime Lucu has done well when he's come off the bench. And uh, Thomas Ramos to help out Jaminet if he's in trouble at the fullback. England's selection, well, I think, you know, again, you know, Jones's selection decisions are there to confuse, uh, muddle. Maybe that's his tactic to throw off the opposition. I don't know. Um, Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Will Stewart is in the front row. I guess Will Stewart coming in for Sinclair, who picked up a bit of a back injury last weekend. Um, I think it's a shame for England because I think for the most part that front row really worked against Ireland. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Stewart uh, makes out, especially against a guy like Cyril Bai, who is just on fire right now. So I don't think that that English front row is going to have the same kind of traction um, that they had against Ireland last weekend. Uh, Maratoje and Nick Isakewa. I think Isakewa was the right choice. Launchbury is um, not really available at the moment, um, or so I'm led to believe. I've heard differing reports on that. Some say he is, some say he isn't. If he is, I, I would actually prefer to see him there against alongside Itoje. But Isakewa, I thought, has at times acquitted himself well. So I'm not overly... I'm not overly despondent about that. Some English supporters may be, and Itoje has been a standout player for England all tournament. He has very little to apologize for. Uh, Courtney Laws, Sam Underhill, Sam Simmons, and Alex Dombrentz on the bench. Um, you know, we go back to that attacking thing. Um, England have only scored seven tries this entire tournament. Um, that's only three more than... Uh, Italy, one more than Wales. Compare that to 10 by Scotland, 14 by France, and uh, 20 by Ireland. Uh, Dombrand has been part of those try-scoring statistics, those paltry seven tries, and you're putting him on the bench against a team like France. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't get it. Um, you got Sam Simmons, who's a bit of a small guy, up against Gregory Aldred at number eight. You know, Dombrant's a big guy. He's, I'd say he's like for like with Aldred, a good match. Um, you know, not not to decry Sam Simmons, uh, a very, very good player. But I think the problem is, is it's just that back row is just continues to be unbalanced. Sam Underhill's in there as well. Um you know, obviously, Tom Curry is out injured, but you know, I don't think Underhill's at his best at the moment either. And then Courtney Laws, I'd, I'd almost be tempted to put Courtney Laws in with a toe jay, get gets Simmons along with Underhill and Dombrand. Um, I don't know, I, I just I, I, I don't understand the issues that Jones has with his, with his selections when it comes to trying to put together a back row that works. And I don't think that's going to work on Saturday. And I think England's going to pay the price for it. And, you know, once again, by taking out Dombrand, you remove an essential attacking component from England. And given they have so few attacking options right now, why would you do that? Are you just going to basically try and play without the ball for the entire 80 minutes against a side like France? Do you really want to do that? Okay. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Uh, 
and then you're into again the halfbacks um ben young's uh you might as well take a a a couple of pills of melatonin or something um i don't get it you know i know he's england's most capped player i know that jones seems to think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread but he is so pedestrian he's so slow off rucks and the backs of malls and even his box kicking i think is pretty it's way too predictable you know and he's up against a guy like antoine dupont who has you know this this lightning quick eye for an opportunity works quicker than most computer processors Uh, you know and i do think that harry randall may be seriously inexperienced and a bit naive but man he's got the pace and 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 the the work rate and the quick hands and the the quick thinking and again that kind of eye for an opportunity that dupont has and so i think given that your your championship's kind of gone by the wayside anyway surely this is the opportunity to look to the world cup next year and you shouldn't be looking to the world cup next year with a guy like ben young's you should be looking at in terms of development and harry randall should be your guy and i think you know especially if england has a really hard go of it against france in the opening you know three quarters of the match and then you bring a guy like randall on for the last 20 minutes with a mountain to climb and he's not able to do it because it's just simply too daunting how's that going to How's that going to help his confidence looking forward and, and ahead to the World Cup? So, yeah, really unhappy there. Um, I mean, unhappy for English supporters. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm not an England supporter, but I, I want to see England do well. And, you know, I think international test rugby without a, a potent England side in it is just not the same. So... And then, yeah, you got poor old Marcus Smith, who is a genius, but he's a one-man show right now, and he's got nobody to link up with to to fully unleash his attacking prowess, which is enormous. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm probably starting this down like a broken record here, but uh, in the in the centers, Joe Marsh and I thought looked pretty good um, last weekend. Um, Henry Slade has potential. We all know that. Maybe maybe this is the game that these two guys really get it together and, and match up to to the, the force that Dante and Fiku are going to bring. On the wings, I've already talked about Jack Noel. He's talented, but he, he, he's... He, I mean, admittedly, out of necessity, he had to last week kind of act as a forward, but he it's almost like sometimes he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Um, you know, it's not to deny that he has some genuine gas and some genuine skill, but I think he tries to get involved in too much of the game. Uh, the big talk is obviously the shift of Freddie Stewart from fullback to wing and his place at fullback being taken by George Furbank. I'm sorry, I simply do not rate Furbank by any stretch of the imagination as a test the whole fullback. Um, I know Stewart hasn't had the best uh, games of late um, despite his exceptional talents but I think you know you know he has it it's worth sticking with again I just think this is an experiment this is going to blow up in in Jones's face Um, yeah I just again scratching my head on the bench uh, Nick Dolly don't know too much about Nick Dolly 
Um, yeah, so not really in a in a position to judge. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to have to see how that works out. Um, he's obviously there for a reason. Um, as for um, the the rest of it, uh, I think you know Joe Marler. I didn't really rate Marler either last weekend when he came on. Uh, not much to go with there, I don't think. Um, yeah, um, Kyle Sinclair. Uh, you know, he. I know he has an injury, so I'm I'm surprised to even see him in the lineup. He's nursing a bit of an injury, but I guess that's why he's not starting. Um, Ollie Chesham is in there. Um, again, I don't know enough about Chesham um, to really be able to to comment. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll see how that how that works out. Uh, Lester playing for Lester. Lester's on form right now, so could be interesting. We've already talked about Alex Dombrand. I think he should be starting at number eight. Don't understand it. Harry Randall, I've said the same thing. Uh, George Ford. Um, yeah, probably the right choice as a, as a backup to, to Marcus Smith. And then Elliot Daly. I have no, uh, no idea why Elliot Daly is, um, why Elliot Daly is not, uh, is not why he's in, in the starting lineup. I, I simply do not understand that. Um, so yeah, we'll have to, to see how that all works out. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think, you know, there's always the potential for an upset. There's always a potential for um, England to uh, spoil France's party. They, they do have a track record of doing it. But I think, you know, given... Um, Given everything that's going on, I think it, it could well be uh, a bridge too far. But uh, we'll just have to, to see how that works out. Um, so, yeah, on that note, um, I think it should be a thoroughly entertaining game. There is everything to, to play for, um, for both sides. Um, and, yeah, you know, England... When England's backs are against the wall, they they are a side to to be reckoned with, um, and you know uh, I th I think if they were at, at Twickenham, this would be a very different scenario. I think in in Paris, it, it could well be a, a bridge too far, but we'll we'll see how it goes. And uh, other than that, I think uh, yeah, it's it's France's Grand Slam to win. Uh, I'm fairly confident um, that they will. And, uh, yeah, England, if they don't win, um, there's going to be a lot of soul searching when this is all over. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll have to, to see how it goes. All the action is available on Dazen or Premier Sports Asia. Also on BBC and ITV this weekend, for those of you with a VPN. Um, and you can watch that for free. Um, and obviously Daz and Premier Sports are, are paid. Uh, BBC and ITV um, are available uh, live and on demand. I have had trouble lately with um, buffering issues with BBC. So um, not quite sure if they've managed to fix that. 
Um, but yeah, that has been a bit of a problem of late. Um, ITV also occasionally a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, uh, have to see uh, see how this weekend works out. And I think it, it'll be really, really entertaining. So enjoy all the games. Enjoy the rugby. Uh, should be a great weekend, a great Super Saturday to uh, finish up what's been a truly stellar tournament. Like I say, we'll be back next week with uh, what we're going to try and do as a, as a weekly roundup across the tournaments. And we'll take it from there. Once again, sorry for uh, the silence of late. And uh, thanks for listening. Take care and stay safe, everyone.